I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things Certified Financial Planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world, and also we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. And in today's podcast, we are talking about marketing and all the ins and outs of the do's and don'ts with social media marketing in particular. And I'm joined by a very special guest, and that is Lindsay Cree from Create Social Media. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. My pleasure, my pleasure. So I have loads of questions to ask you <laughs> um, because I, you know, the, one of the reasons why we know each other is because I attended one of your free online sessions a while ago now, wasn't it? That's right. Um, That's right. Uh, when I was just kind of starting out uh, using, trying to use LinkedIn more and pondering whether I should have, how many social media accounts I should have. And I was kind of getting weighed down in all the different social media accounts and the pressure of it all. It was kind of turning into a full-time job. Um, so um, I was very grateful for a lot of for that session that you gave us and also, you know, lots of advice that you give on LinkedIn um, about this particular issue. Um, so I just wanted to take the opportunity to tell all of our listeners about, you know, the sorts of things, the do's and don'ts that we want them to do in order to get the most out of their social media um, and maybe some food for thought, um, uh, you know, the kind of tips, best best practice tips um, so that everybody can make the most out of their, their business. Because I think, you know, like me, obviously I've got a business that's targeting financial planning firms, but obviously lots of the listeners are financial planning firms themselves and they're going to be targeting you know clients potential clients um other members of the public so before we get into all of that just give us a quick rundown of how you got to where you are today right well my um my full background is is marketing so coming up 25 years now i've been in marketing um lots of different areas lots of different um I suppose types of marketing, right from when it was traditional marketing um, to right up to date with um, all the digital stuff. Uh, so, a lot of my background is in financial marketing. So I've worked with um, several banks and sort of in insurance, pensions, um, the bulk of my career. And I went into consultancy, so I did a bit of that, where it was kind of like short term contracts with bigger companies. And then laterally, I kind of moved into kind of freelance my own business so that's that's kind of where I've been for the last few years since lockdown really yeah um, fantastic yeah, coincidentally really you know when things just start, had to go digital um it's quite lucky that was the kind of move I was I was making <laughs> yes so I guess you've seen it you know develop and change in different you know move in different directions over the years then yeah oh definitely yes I'm a, I'm a, a sort of long-term marketing person from yeah. When it was traditional marketing, you know, lots of mailers um, and sort of posters and obviously that still goes on. But, um, you know, now the, the emphasis is a lot more on, 
you know, getting out to the masses in, in a digital way. Um, so in banks, you know, you'd be getting um, going out to mil- five million, six million people with one mailing campaign. Um, to now kind of working with sort of smaller sized businesses where they didn't have anything, and now they've got the sort of luxury, I guess, of um, having the sort of low cost of of digital platforms um, they can make, make use of. So yeah, that's kind of gone full circle. Well, I've got a, a, an armful, well, actually two armfuls of questions for you. <laughs> Never mind the one. Um, no, so <laughs> I, I'm going to dive straight in um, and let's immerse ourselves in, in the world of digital marketing and different me- social media platforms. And so my first question is, you know, in order for a financial planning business to grow, which social media platforms would you recommend that they use? Well, actually, interestingly, there's probably an argument for nearly all of them, um, unfortunately, in some cases, um, because really, I mean, you're talking to financial planning companies are talking to nearly everyone um, from kind of, you know, young generations to older generations and people who don't aren't on digital at all. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, the, my instinct obviously draws me towards LinkedIn because of the subject matter. Um, it's a sort of businessy kind of area. It's m- much more focused on business, and some of the other platforms are a wee bit more entertainment. Um, so I suppose that the key to it in picking your platforms is knowing who your audience is for you and your business. Um, and obviously, that's a kind of matter of sort of niching. You know, are you going for the wealth side? Are you going for like female customers? Are you, you know, what are you? What's your particular ideal dream clients and customers that will kind of guide you a wee bit towards the platforms yeah um so there yeah it's not a straight answer but yeah i mean if i had to pick something i would i would go for linkedin start with LinkedIn, i have helped, people, I have yeah. helped people in um i've helped people on instagram financial planners on instagram as well and that's been quite successful um you know i suppose it's it's also where your comfort zone is not a lot of people start off being comfortable with video but things like instagram um video is a lot more prevalent and not that it's not still great on linkedin um and video can kind of connect with your audience's potential a lot quicker um with that trust factor kind of accelerating so there's there's arguments for a few of them um but yeah if you if you're starting out i would say start out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and then think about the platforms, you know, hang out where your clients or potential clients were hanging out, I guess, isn't it? Exactly. And there'll be different, your different target audiences will be on different platforms as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can you have too many social media platforms? Because I kind of felt, you know, when I came to you 12 months or so ago that I kind of had too many because, you, you yeah. know, you've got a, a personal account, you've got a business account, you've got a, have, you know, should we have a business LinkedIn account, a personal LinkedIn account, a business in, um, Instagram account, a personal Instagram account. And, you know, you end up with double of everything. And I was just completely, you know, at sea with it all. But, you know, what's your stance on, you know, should should we have, you know, a, a personal account and a business account? Or, you know, how what's the relationship between those two? Yeah, um, obviously, it's, you know, there's only so much time in the day. Um and you you really do have to focus when it comes to social media because also you can't just cut and paste. Um, as I alluded to there, um, Instagram's going to be quite different to content in a lot of cases to to LinkedIn and how you kind of 
the formats available, the features available. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're you're a solo business owner, you really, I think you should maybe focus on one or two. Um, if you're a bigger business, yeah, you've got probably staff and the time and resources to go across a lot of them because um, you'll maybe have a wider um, target audience base and, you know, you're, you're, you're building on a lot more brand awareness um, than most people have the luxury to. So, um, yeah, and also, can, as you mentioned, they're just completely overwhelmed people, which is completely understandable. Um, on your question about business versus personal, um, I always think that um, it's actually pretty pretty good to just have a presence as a business. If you've got a business name, I would just register your LinkedIn business sort of name and just put your kind of almost position it as a bit of a website. Um, but your main focus, if you're a small small business or a sole business uh, financial planner, then I would just put all your content out from the personal page. But that way, if you have a business page, you can have the icon down there with your your sort of logo down and your employee employment history. Um, so that just kind of gives you an extra little bit of branding there. But really, unless you've kind of got a sort of like big company announcement, yeah, I don't think it's too relevant for a lot of small businesses to, to be active on both. Mm. I think people do business with people, don't they? That's the thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to get, if you've got both, no matter what size of company, um, you're going to get more interaction on the personal pages for uh, for sure. Right. So now we've cleared up all of that. I need so she writes a note, start business <laughs> LinkedIn page. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, let's talk about um, sales tactics. Um, about you know the kind of do's and don'ts of attracting new clients and the sales tactics that you know I've seen some people put quite pushy sales tactics. Um, you know, even if they are obviously not fabricating the truth, but it kind of still feels that they're, you know, fluffing it up a bit or, you know, make it making these things sound grander than they really are. You know, where's where do you stand on these kind of sales tactics, how to attract new clients in? Well, I think um, obviously you're leaning a lot towards your, your brand Um your brand, your sort of brand values and so on. So you keep that, keep that in mind. Obviously, if you have a strategy sort of laid out, that really helps. But always bearing in mind that social media is is really a social platform. So people aren't really geared up to sort of be taking on board really salesy messages. Um, that's not what they're there for. They're there of their own choice. So you know, if they are, do they feel like they're getting spammed with messages that are just a too much and be too salesy they're just not going to they're not going to read them they're just going to scroll past and they're going to actually actively avoid you so you want to make your content appealing in terms of relation building relationships up like adding value with your content your storytelling um being as authentic as you can um I know there's a lot of you know on Instagram you will get your Instagram versions and your real life versions which is to be, you know, to a certain extent, like, fair enough. Um, I'm not going to send a picture of like my messy office right now, although I have done in the past, but uh, to make a point. But um, yeah, just you're going to get slightly shined up version, but you need to make the most of social media and you need to tell your story and you need to be authentic. Um, and people can see right through that um, and also use your 
Use your customers. It's called user-generated, a bit of jargon. User-generated content. Use what your customers are seeing, their experiences, and that that brings authenticity in as well. Uh, and and have conversations. Um, again, it's not like an, you know, one-way street. You've got to like engage. You've got to talk. You've got to you know, people are on there to to have this sort of real-time um, interaction with the brand. They're not there to look at a website or a or brochure. Um, so yeah, just be, being authentic as you can, professional. Um, you know, certain things you do want to keep to yourself, but uh, yeah, just just you know, pe- people won't come to you if, if they don't like what they see. So, and but obviously, bear in mind that you do need to sell as well. Um, but just do that in a more in a more sort of genuine way. Um, some you know, you're adding value. You're saying we've got a workshop coming up. It, hopefully, it'll help you. Um, but ultimately, you're you're selling something at the back of that genuinely, genuinely, but um, you know, upfront about that, and um, people will will come because they know that business businesses are businesses at the end of the day. But you know, also, also um, things like tagging. Don't like tag a load of people that aren't. You know, it's not relevant in the post. Don't you know? Overly get people to um, engage like like this post you know unless it's something like like this post if you you agree or you know just uh, you know don't be clickbaity is what's you know like making them engage in an unauthentic way as well um, yes I think you can kind of feel like you're strong-armed into responding yeah. if somebody tags you in it and you think hang on a minute <laughs> what's all that yes. about <laughs> yes it has to it has to be real it has to come from and and are they doing that because if they tag you in is it right that the algorithm sends that message kind of down your own personal feed if somebody tags you in? If you're tagging people, for me, you're you're trying to get them to sort of be engaged in the in the content, but that's only if it's really a sort of a genuine thing. Like I talked to you today about this, and we both had a chat, and then you know we put a post up and I, I tag you and I say, oh, you know, our chat earlier was about this, and you know you've got a right to sort of, and that's a good strategy to tag people that are relevant but um you know out of the blue when you got these there's a lot of spammy things with where you're being tagged and there's you've no idea why you've been tagged um that's just spam really and and i guess you're just annoying the person that you're tagging if you're doing no mercy <laughs> yeah um so let's talk about typos i'm dreadful at uh spelling um as my husband will attest to um so i tend to write without my glasses on when i'm on my linkedin app on my phone and then i get to my la- i get to my laptop and then realize that there's a typo right in the middle of it so then i end up going back and editing it all um you know let's talk about you know there's probably a better way to be doing all of that so you can kind of avoid all these typos because again in that short time between walking from you know from uh from the kitchen with my cup of tea in my hand to sitting down at my laptop you know 40 odd people could have seen that post couldn't they yeah yeah um yeah you know it's obviously you need to be professional you need attention to detail and obviously first impressions count and all this type of thing what um it's not the end of the world right you know people do do typos everyone's human um what, there's actually bizarrely enough there is an argument in some platforms to not edit it um in something like instagram if you you know blood sweat and tears you've got this like um reel out that's taking you quite a long time and you've been back and forth in the editing 
you get the reel out and you've forgotten about it and there is a typo in there, like maybe two hours later you see it. Um, you've actually got all the people engaging, you've got the comments, you've got the people sharing it. Um, it's, it's actually going to kind of go, go more against you if it's just a, a small typo to actually delete it or edit it because that starts the process from scratch again. Um, so the, all the all engagement and all this good stuff that you're getting initially, um, if you edit it, then they see that as like the algorithm will see that as a sort of like problem error. It will kind of have red flags their side and, if, and it will take sort of that engagement away, if you like. So if that makes any sense. So start, in some occasions, I would almost, I would just leave it. And I know it's uncomfortable, but um, a lot of times people will say, well, that is just a genuine tiny error. Obviously, making sure you try and avoid that. Um, there's things like Grammarly. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's basically, yes, well, hopefully most people are. It's, it's fantastic for picking things like that up before it goes out. And obviously, if you can, have you know, if you're in an organization, organization more than one, I would just have a system of someone absolutely proofreading it before it goes out um, and just having a second glance at it. Um, things like if there's typos in your profile, sort of no excuse for that. You have to keep reviewing your profile all the time as well. Um, but also if you've got keywords in there, which is really important these days, that if you're misspelling them, then that doesn't, that goes against, you know, you're not going to use of the, the keyword if there's misspelled. Um, yeah, it just it's just sort of professionalism. I mean, people will forgive a type, typo here and there, but if you're seeing it all the time, no, I don't mean here and there. I mean, sort of very rarely, very occasionally, it's not going to be a showstopper for your business or anything. But I would just, I would definitely have a have a good look at things before they go out because sending them out, you know, you don't really want to stop that. Um, you you're almost if it's, you see it in the first few minutes, you'd almost be better deleting it and putting it up again. But also make sure you've got a copy. Um, so you can copy and paste it again so that that's been treated as an entirely new post as opposed yes, to an edited one edited. which can get fiddled with you know it's just, yeah. it does, they don't like it on the platforms if you edit if you edit soon after it's gone out right okay okay note to self start <laughs> using Ramley a bit more frequently <laughs> 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 I know it's just, but I mean do you know what it's way worse than sending an email out to five million people and like seeing a typo there because you can't do anything about it oh, um, yeah. there's that you know, there's that famous letter that was it that Wes that sent out um that yeah. uh said dear rich b <laughs> I won't complete the rest of the oh, word yeah. um oh. and, and then apparently a number of people who hadn't received the letter who found out about this letter um, phoned the uh, the bank in question and said, "Why aren't I a rich bee? Why didn't I get the letter?" Oh God! <laughs> oh, there's somebody in, in there just absolutely dying, <laughs> dying a day. Yes, I expect um, heads were rolling that day. Yeah. That was probably uh, a highlight yes. of their uh, career, um, but yeah, ended swiftly. I suspect on uh, on that day. So let's move on to um, marketing strategies um, overall. So you know. A lot of our audience are relatively small, small and medium sized financial planning firms. And, you know, I guess, you know, a bit like me, I kind of follow my nose as far as uh, a marketing strategy goes. Um, but I know from, you know, previous experiences of bigger employers that, you know, there are quite clear marketing strategies. Even if you're a relatively small business, you know, what's your view on, on having, you know, kind of fully set out marketing strategy? Oh, well, 
obviously I'm going to recommend a strategy, but um, I do recommend it genuinely because it's it's really going to save a lot of time in the long run. I mean, a bit of work up front um, on sort of like looking at your audiences, your what's your sort of genuine like your marketing uh, funnel, uh, what's your content strategy you know what kind of like looking at a pie chart and saying what's what proportion of my content and what does each of those proportions actually do is it like reputation building is it community supporting the community you know really looking at that stuff on the outset and then kind of then the planning process becomes a lot easier so you're sort of saying maybe one of these posts a month is about this two is about this three is about this you're going to be able to lay out the month quite quickly um another matter of then writing about it but you know you don't have to kind of come in and go oh gosh I need to get something out this week and you're scrambling around and you're actually putting just nonsense up so really it's definitely worth every single business um whether you're a solo business or a big business especially obviously um really looking at um in fact even more so for a solo business because you're on you're on your own you know you need to be so um organized in what you're putting out so you're not wasting any time um and you're able to sort of then, you've got a strategy, you can actually look at the results from that yes. strategy. Um, whereas if you don't, yeah, you don't, you can't, you can't measure it. Can't do anything. Yeah. And then I guess on the back of that, because you're, you know that you can be mindful of the kind of content that you're going to do, you know, on any given week. Then I guess if you're sending out newsletters, for example, you know, once a fortnight, you know, maybe once a month, that a lot of people, a lot of small firms do that once a month, don't they? You know, I guess that that means that you can group that content together and you've got, you know, easy content for your newsletters too, for people, you know, who might have only seen one of those posts. Because you're not everybody sees all of the social media posts that you put out, do they? No, absolutely. And that's the mistake people make is that they assume that everyone's read everything. And that is far from the case. Um, not because they're not interested, but their attention spans are so um, little. Um, they actually may not have time. They may have seen a bit of it, but not read all of it. They actually, you know, the the algorithms are, are, are such that, you know, you might get to like maybe two to 4% of your, your followers, you know, you don't even get to all your followers and that's not even considering non-followers. You know, you, you don't get to many people to start with. So yeah, just really thinking about that repurposing piece where you can use posts for newsletters, you know, vice versa. Um, you can make newsletters into like video clips or, you know, long form content into short form. You know, there's so much you can do with like, this a small pool of content you can really spread it what you know why even just copy it with a different image two or three weeks later people really are so it sounds sort of almost defeating my, the purpose but people don't pay that much attention in order to remember every post that you put out but they will be absorbing the sort of like your consistency and what you're talking about and you know your thought leadership and that's coming across in your in your all your your posts if you're consistent but people aren't going to remember specific things yeah yeah and you I guess you're kind of building in their subconscious you're building a relationship and a reputation with them aren't you exactly exactly so if you don't have that plan you're not kind of following that sort of like your consistent branding message yeah. and you know potentially you're you know I'm damaging your reputation you're losing followers and think well I'm not interested in this stuff why, why you know I don't see this and you know they'll just drop off whereas if you're following a proper strategy um 
they're going to stay with you and they're going to pay attention and they're going to look for you and look out for what you've got to say. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I am a big one for a hashtag. (laughs) But I I read the other day that LinkedIn says that if you're going to, um, if you're going to put a post up, it's got to be at least like 150 words and Mm -hmm. you need like three hashtags or something. But, you know, there's some posts that I see that have dozens and dozens of hashtags. Is there a is there a point at which kind of particularly LinkedIn, you know, kind of goes eh, eh, and then, you know, chops you off because you've got using too many hashtags? You know, is there is there kind of an ideal number of hashtags to be using in our posts? Yeah, there is actually. Um, it depends on the platform. Um, so for Instagram, Instagram was kind of like the the grandmaster of um, hashtags. Um, so their indexing was, was the original sort of indexing and then came sort of like, um LinkedIn sort of and then Facebook sort of laterally started using LinkedIn as a way of people finding your content, people following those hashtags. Um so they are they're still useful. Um recent talk is that they're not as useful because sort of keywords are becoming more an SEO within the platforms becoming more more of a thing. But um you are right that the for LinkedIn certainly three is um the optimum number um according to LinkedIn themselves. With some research um, done on the algorithms, and three was optimum. So I would, and it's not it's not always just about the the algorithms. If you put a lot of uh, LinkedIn, um, sorry, uh, hashtags in LinkedIn itself, it just looks really spammy. Um, even though it might not be, I mean, it might not deter from your performance. It just looks it looks bad on certain platforms, um, and. Same with Facebook, you know, a lot of people cross post um Instagram and Facebook, which isn't a terrible thing, but when they when it pulls in all the Instagram hashtags, that's when it kind of looks pretty bad on Facebook because Facebook aren't known for really using hashtags in their algorithm. So yeah, definitely if you're looking at LinkedIn, I would stick with three um and make them really specific uh to the content, obviously, because then it just looks pretty weird as well if it doesn't relate to what you're talking about yes <laughs> and uh, also I'll go with um sort of like bit like very popular one very popular one so you can actually search um on some of the platforms or how you know how many people are following that hashtag so you might go with one with very big numbers and then you might go for kind of a more niche one but don't just make up a silly one because that's pointless as well because people actually have to be following that hashtag for it to come up um in searches and you know they need to be following it to come up in their feed as well so just be mindful of the the hashtags you're using and if you're you know looking at your analytics just be sure you're sort of maybe grouping them and, and you know you know looking at those particular groups of hashtags are those the ones that worked well or is it this group and you can't be that scientific because otherwise you'd have to be testing one exact post with another one with the different hashtags at the same time so it's not really possible to do it that scientifically, but you know you can in Instagram. You can look at if if people have come from a search on their hashtag as well. So there are there are ways you can look at it. Um, but yeah, it's they're still very much a thing. <laughs> um, but just be careful with it um, and consider ha- keywords as a as a as another way of getting people yeah, to that's a good one and is you know what when you write a hashtag okay i was going back to school now but when you write a hashtag 
I thought, you know, lots of people use the hashtag where everything's lowercase. And for some parts of the population, you know, it's difficult to read what the hashtag is saying if you don't use capital letters. So then I know that recently there's been a drive to replace, you know, all of the lowercase with some capital letters. So you're splitting out the words with capital letters. Does that make any difference to the actual hashtag and effectiveness? Or is it just that, you know, that it's actually helping people, you know, read actually what you mean on the hashtag? No, that doesn't make a difference, the capital or not. It's just the word. But yeah, I mean, yeah, so in that sense, it doesn't really matter using capitals, but I don't suppose it goes against you. I don't put any symbols in because that's going to mess it up. And I think, you know, there are some people, you know, with, you know, neurodivergent who find it difficult to, you know, and I've actually, somebody sent me a hashtag the other day and I found it really hard to pick out what the hashtag was because of the, because of the words combined, it could have read two or three different ways. Right. Okay. Yeah. I I, I don't tend to use capital letters within it, but I can see your point there in in terms of Mm. being a little more readable. It's just something I came across, you know, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> um, so we, um, we're we nearly out of time, but I wanted to ask you about your, to seek your views on a very important topic, um, something that's been across certainly LinkedIn recently, and that is uh, negative reviews. If somebody, if a financial planning firm receives a negative review, say on Google reviews, for example, um, or on any other social media platform, you know, what are the do's and don'ts with, you know, interacting potentially with that post or, you know, running a mile and hopefully kick it into the long grass? Um, well, yeah, so on, well, certainly on LinkedIn, you, you would ask for a recommendation from someone you probably know. So you're quite probably safe on, on LinkedIn and you get to see that review before it goes up and sort of approve it. So that's probably one of the safer safer things. But yeah, that's not stopping people commenting. So people commenting on posts as well. Um, I would, yeah, always stay calm, professional. Um, if there is a real concern on there, acknowledge it. Um but also the best, the really best advice is try and take it offline. Um, so if someone's got a personal sort of like problem, something's happened, just say, oh, message me and we'll deal with that. You know, sort of thing. Taking it away from the public forum really is the best, the best initial, you know, response you can do. Um, when it, and then obviously, mo- you know, keep monitoring your comments, making sure you're always seeing things as they're coming in. So you can sort of de-escalate things if needed. Um, you know, if you need to make an apology, make an apology and say you're dealing with it. That's what, you know, the public needs to know. You're just dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, we're not perfect, are we? That's the thing. No, we make mistakes no. and these things happen. No, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that would be the first thing to do. Um, yeah, don't don't ignore them, you know, get, get on to them. But there are certain ones that are clearly trolls, you know, um, so if something goes down that route, you, you can certainly ignore it. If it's just absolutely ridiculous comments um, and they're just argumentative, provocative, um, you, there's even an element of just deleting them. You know, the ones that are so outrageous, they're just polluting, <laughs> polluting your um, your page. You you can delete that. Um, you know, if there's nothing, there's nothing there to comment on, you can't respond, it's just trolling. I personally would delete it. Um you're not gaining anything um, from just having it sit there, and you're not going to respond because it's just provocative. So, you could you could delete it. Although, deleting comments is probably not seen well 
from the algorithm. But in some cases, you know, you may as well. Um, don't obviously, you know, take a moment if you need to. If something's like just really <laughs> got an emotional response, don't don't do it straight away. Go away, take a think about it. Um, you know, take that moment you need to sort of respond professionally. You know, if it's something really personal or something. Um, and yeah, don't just kind of comment a stop response. Make sure that if it's a personal matter that someone genuinely needs a response to, make it personal. Um, and yeah, just sort of generally being professional like you would anywhere else. Uh, but yeah, with getting the the, the main conversation um, chain offline. Yeah. And, it, you know, and I guess the follow up is important, isn't it? Because if you don't actually contact them, if you say, you know, I'm going to contact you offline and we'll we'll chat through your specific issues, then just don't. <laughs> Yeah, then, yeah, no, absolutely. They'll come back at you. They'll be back out. You know, angry people. <laughs> it's a good route for an angry person to come on and sort of like tweet and no, no, it's very, very public. So don't, yeah, you don't aggravate people. Just, just treat treat them well. Um, but don't engage in any nonsense either. You know, you don't have to defend yourself from um really ridiculous people. They're going to be out there, aren't they? Um, so you don't need to respond to that. So they're going to look more stupid than you are. Um, they're going to look like the, the trolls that they are. So um, you don't need to respond to anything like that. Uh, but yeah, respond to things that you genuinely should be responding to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And so I know that you have, we are just about out of time now, but I know that you have recently held some um, LinkedIn free sessions, haven't you? Tell us about all of those if people want to find out more and contact you. Yeah, so I did... Um, I did some LinkedIn live sessions on um, how to be more strategic um, on your social media. So pretty much along the lines of some of the stuff we've said, um, you know, looking at your, your goals uh, for social media and, and a marketing funnel um, relating to social media goals, um, looking at your audiences and your branding on social media and ultimately your content strategy and, and looking at those those um, data points as well that you need to so yeah, you could find that on my LinkedIn profile. Um, they should they should still be up there on as recording. Thank you very much, and I will for all our listeners. I will put details of your website and also your LinkedIn details into the show notes, so people can find all of those recordings as well and contact you offline uh, if they want to. Brilliant, <laughs> uh, Lindsay. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you very much. really interesting isn't it to listen to different people who have different experiences of gaining their certified financial planner certification or maybe developing the financial planning profession at large if you know anybody who you think might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts then please do pass on our details that's it for me i hope you've enjoyed today's episode see you again soon bye for now